All right, so it looks like we're up. I'll make sure the tweet went out. I will also, and it did, I'll get it pulled up here so that if you're on Periscope watching, I'll be able to uh, see your comments. We got that pulled up right now. There it is. People popping in there quickly. Look at all that. So good evening. Welcome into the podcast live on Facebook on Periscope. We'll get it posted for you later so that if you want to listen to it on demand, you'll be able to on the podcast channel. You know, I don't know, maybe you're driving to Disney tomorrow. Wink, wink, you know who you are. And you'll be able to uh, <laughs> you'll be able to listen. How you doing, MSU Girl 76 on Twitter? Let's say hey to everybody on Facebook and get you pulled up as well. What we're going to do here tonight, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Anything land-related, that's where you need to start in North Mississippi. Branches all across North Mississippi, mslandbank.com. Mississippi Land Bank, where they understand the lay of the land. All right, so good evening, uh, Facebook. Brian, Brom, Bobby, Dinah. Uh, Lane, Josh, Irving, everybody. Uh, Coach Ham listening in. What's up, Coach? You the man. I want you to watch some of these plays, Coach. I'm going to jump into them real quick so that you don't have to wait too long. Uh, yes, Josh, it is past my bedtime, but uh, so much so that my contacts are starting to dry out. <laughs> That's usually the key that I need to go on the bed. Um, Brandon, hello to you. Uh, Jason, what's up? Good to see y'all. All right, so let's do it this way. We're recording this podcast. I'll get it posted for you on the podcast channels. Instead of Q&A here, y'all just join in. Instead of Q&A on the front end of this, let's watch a few of these plays, and then we'll do some Q&A afterwards. We won't go maybe the full 45 minutes here tonight because it's a little later, but we'll do some of that. Again, appreciate you tuning in. Podcast Live, Facebook, Twitter, everywhere, presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Say it with me. Land Bank. What's up, Kevin? Kevin Sluter, y'all. Number 47 in your pro... 4748, Kevin. <laughs> number 48 in your program. Number one in your heart. Kevin Sluter on Facebook. Rodney, yeah, what a day. Jeff says, what a day. He said he hasn't been this excited since Jackie was hired. All right, so let's talk about it. What I've got here, I think these are seven plays. Here's what these seven plays are. These are seven touchdown passes in one game from Gardner Minshew two years ago at Washington State. Um, They were really prolific. We know that. And we know that Gardner Minshew's really good. Goes in there and immediately, you know, everything kind of falls into place for him. An injury helps him get on the field, but he takes over and now is the full-time quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Got some stats on the passing versus rushing offense in all these years at Washington State for Mike Leach. Give you that. But first, the plays. Okay? So let's watch these first. Uh, If if it works right, you should have audio as well. Um, Seven touchdown passes in one game two years ago for Gardner Minshew against Arizona. Now, you're going to see Arizona's defense was not very good. But... Uh, they really exploited it. There were some red zone touchdown passes in this game, some out in the field. One's a catch and run. One's against zone. One's against man. So this was seven TD passes in one game that I felt like a really good example. Now, that said, 
This is pass offense. Um, that's what Mike Leach is known for. But when you look at stats, you look at history, they've never been, just outside of a few examples in his career, certain teams were really pass-heavy, but they've been fairly balanced as well. But they do throw the football a lot. All right, so first up, this is, let's see, this was the first touchdown pass in this game for Gardner Minshew two years ago against Arizona. See what you think. Here's one trips to the wide side of the field, and it's the outside guy who actually gets the football. It's not a switch, but they're running one off, and he comes open in the middle of the field. They find him, turn it into a touchdown run. So it's just interesting to look at the route combination, how they get this in this game. And so you've got a single receiver into the boundary who's crossing the field, and effectively this is a mesh route uh, with the two, you know, Receivers that are lined up closest to the formation, they are meshing. The second receiver to the trips is vertical, trying to take out the safety. And the thing to look at is once you come back, you're actually reading that safety, whether I go deep or come underneath to that crosser. But the outside receiver is going to jump in here and follow him on his route vertical. You're going to see that. You saw the quarterback peak here with the running back releasing as well. And – with three underneath and a fourth coming in here, it kind of takes away that mesh route. It's a zone coverage and everybody underneath. And so the quarterback, you know, once he sees a guy sitting in the middle, he's coming to that next level read. So here's what's happened, right? So he's running in here, following this vertical route up the hash, and then going to break late. It took the safety out. He comes open in the middle. Then you get yards after the catch. Different angle, you could see the safety drop. He was held there just long enough by that vertical route who's off the screen now. Got some separation, and now he's open in the middle of the field. Here they get a singled-up receiver into the boundary. Just kind of a slant that continues into the end zone off play action. Just gets him wide open in the middle of the defense. So you can kind of see what's happening. They're in the red zone. They go two backs, so one on either side of the quarterback, and it's play action that gets him. Now, the route up top, like a version of smash in cut with a corner route up top, but the read doesn't go there because the boundary safety has walked down a little bit. You probably see that pre-snap. Watch the action in the backfield. That backside back steps through like he's going to block. You get play action here and with a scheme as if the zone run might come back this way into the boundary. And so that play action right there, that look, little fake, has pulled the safety up just enough. It holds him right there so that you can get behind him on this one-on-one slant when you've got leverage against that corner. So the play action pulled the help to the inside up. Now he can get behind him, and it's a matter of getting protection. But because you had play action fake, Two backs staying in. Now you have seven-man protect, plenty of time, and hit the slant in the back of the end zone. Yeah, so this is all about it's his own look. He's protecting to the outside. Receiver free to the inside. Safety pulled up, and he can't all get right. it through. All right, what do you think? Pretty cool, huh? Okay, so a couple of examples. The first one there, out in the field, uh, you get zoned and kind of a combination of mesh underneath run one off up the hash, and then 
you know, you follow behind and you make that deep defender make a decision. Am I going to stay beyond the deep guy? If I do, I may give up that dig at 20 yards or 15. And then it's all about protection and that kind of thing too. So, And a quarterback who can stand in there and read all that. And obviously Gardner Minshew is really good, but really in, in all these different offenses, different quarterbacks, he's kind of gotten them coached up to hit a lot of that stuff. Um, now, there too, we're going to see some more examples of red zone throws, touchdown throws in this game for Gardner Minshew two years ago, Washington State, where that's the part of the field where it's a little harder to throw the football, right? Because the defense has the back line of the end zone kind of as that barrier where now everything kind of crunches down a little closer to the line of scrimmage, gets a little tighter because now there's no threat of them throwing a ball over your head, you know? So it's a little harder to throw it down there. So how do you get people open? This next play, I want you to pay attention, okay? It's back-to-back plays, and they are the exact same route, exact same formation, same part of the field, two different touchdown throws at two different times, but it's same part of the field, and the exact same formation, same routes, but thrown and read differently by the quarterback both times because of what the defense did. So uh, pay attention to the first one and then pay attention to the second one. So uh, tell me what you think. Another red zone throwing touchdown. Trips to the left to the wide side of the field and the outside receiver just kind of finds a throwing lane against the zone. It looked like double slants, but everybody sees zone, so they're just making a throwing lane. So what you like about this, it's quarterback and receivers on the same page. Because, again, watch what everyone's doing here. These two outside are both initially running slant, like double slants on the goal line like you see Alabama doing. But watch how everybody reacts. Even the inside receivers running that deep back corner uh, pylon, if it's man-to-man, he'd do it. But because they all see safeties and underneath dropping in zone coverage, they're now going to pull up. And everybody's pulling up on their route, looking for a way to find a throwing lane for the quarterback down here, back releasing as well. And he could hit him right away and may have a chance, might have a chance here. But because his eyes are back this way, it's pulling the coverage back this way. So the key is protection, plenty of time. But again, you see, looking for a throwing lane, find a way to give your quarterback an opportunity to throw you the football. And that's what happens right here is he hangs in there on the hash, find him, and then get in the end zone. This next play is the exact same route, except the back's going to get it out of the backfield. And I'm going to show you the difference. But in terms of formation, call, everything exactly the same. But you got a different defense, so it's read differently and executed differently. But look, just like the previous play, same thing. Ball on the right hash, single receiver into the boundary, Trips to the wide side of the field. Both outsides are running slants. Inside is running that back corner uh, corner route, back pylon, and the back motion across and release across. But this time, it's man-to-man everywhere with one safety in the middle of the field. So pre-snap read tells him it's man-to-man. Look what he does. Because we went quick motion to get him started, the man-to-man responsibility, the linebacker, is already behind. We're already out in front. And so just real quick read, we're going to give it to him, knowing slants by both outsides are going to pull those outside defenders in. That's exactly what happens right there. So by the time he catches it, 
He's already got leverage to the sideline. Hit him. Linebacker gets caught up inside, and it's touchdown. All right. So let's do this. i got a few more plays here. I guess three more after this, but we'll kind of cut in and see if you have any comments or questions, opinions, and we'll jump into those. So what do you think about those last two? I thought that was neat. You know, again, an example of an offense, they really had it rolling at Washington State two years ago, and they were playing that Arizona defense who, again, was not very good. But they really kind of toyed with them, got them out of position. When you have a quarterback that you know is going to read it correctly, zone or man, and then, you know, receivers who are able to read it and adjust routes based on that, and you're going to get the ball out on time, you can kind of do what you want to do. I thought it was a good example um, how a play can be called exactly the same and you run it because you're confident your players can execute it against whatever the defense does. And even though the defense defends it two entirely different ways in, in relatively cr- close proximity in the game, the play looks entirely different. You know, if you're watching one on TV, you go, well, they hit the back out of the backfield, you know, and the next one is, uh, well, he bought time and he threw it in there. Well, really, all of it is the same exact play call, same design. If you drew it up on the board, it'd be identical. It's just it looks different and is run different based on what the defense did. All right, Elbeck78 on Twitter, worried that SEC defense will not allow a quarterback to have that much time, and they won't. If you get that much time, it's a bonus. You know, it's like you ordered three strips from Popeye's and you open the box and there's five. <laughs> you better not expect five because you only ordered three. You're only going to get two and a half seconds. Not nine out of ten, 99 out of 100. And so, you know, if you get extra time, great. But you better be prepared to execute things and get it out on time. And then if you get a little extra time, then it's, again, just a bonus. You make it work for yourself. Um, let's see. John. On Facebook says, will Schrader or Rodgers fit the offense better? No way to know that. We're going to have to see. Let them practice. You know, and a lot of it is, it's not so much at looking at a guy going, well, he throws it this way, and this guy's tall, and that one's fast, and it's not that. It's you got to get them in the room and start doing the X's and O's and then trying to apply it on the practice field and see who's getting it up here. That's what this is all about. What's the difference between Joe Burrow last year and Joe Burrow this year? Is his arm stronger? Is he faster? Is he taller? Tougher? This. He gets it. And different guys learn in different ways. Some guys learn visually. Some guys learn um, a little more analytically, left brain, numbers and progression. You know, and you got to figure out how they learn and teach them all differently and then see who's can make it who can make it work uh the best. Dicky on Facebook says, do the plays uh develop quickly for the quarterback? Yeah. I mean, to me, and I'm gonna show you, I got some more plays here. I'm gonna show you some examples, especially down when you're throwing a ball down on the goal line and in the red zone, how I mean it's all about timing. Just uh really, I mean, put a clock on it when you watch it. it, it you know, pull it up on YouTube, put a clock on it. You'll see a half second late means a bat, the pass is broken up. But a half second earlier, which is on time, it's caught for a touchdown. I mean, it really is, especially on the goal line, you really have that small of a margin. So it's it's about processing. You know, you used to hear Dan Mullen talk about processing. 
toughness and the ability to process things quickly. That's what he valued most in quarterbacks. Dave says, under the Leach system, do we currently have a quarterback who can run it? Again, we're going to find out. And any good coach is going to is going to uh, fashion the offense around what the players can do, not the other way around. It won't work the other way around. And I think, you know, over time, I was looking at these numbers. You could see the progression at Washington State. First year, not very good. Second year, much better in the pass game, not much better in terms of running the football. Third year, much better again in the pass game. Record still not great because they were kind of one-dimensional. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth year, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, things started to really explode in terms of not being one-dimensional and the pass game numbers went up. Um, numbers are hard on this kind of thing. And again, we're going to watch these next three plays. Numbers are hard on this kind of thing, but listen to this. So if you go back to Leach's first year at Washington State, they went 3-9. and nine. And as a team, they threw for 3,965 yards. That's the only year in, what, eight seasons at Washington State that they didn't throw for 4,000. It was the first one. But not only did they not reach the 4,000 mark passing that year, they netted 349 yards rushing all year long. Now, they were, they were basically like an 800-yard rush team, but they lost you know, 450-something yards on sacks throughout the year, so they only netted 349. But then year two, they jumped like a 1,000 more pass yards for the offense in year two at Washington State, 4,784. But the rushing totals didn't go up that much. It went up a little bit in year two. About 1,000 yards gain. Again, take off the sack yardage, it was less than 1,000. But year three... At Washington State, they threw for 5,732 yards. Again, the rushing total was down. They were a three-win team because they were one-dimensional. But you look at the passing totals. 3,900 year one, 4,700 year two, 5,700 year three. Up, up, up. And then it really took off because in year four, that's when they went nine and four back in 2015. They were over 5,000 yards passing, but they were a potent rushing team as well, well over 1,000 yards, a little bit less one-dimensional, and they win nine games. Um, and, and they win eight games in 2016. They were 4,700 yards passing. They were a 1,500-yard rush team. Um, again, this is Washington State. They won nine games in 2017, the year before Gardner Minshew. They won nine games in 2017. Again, 4,700 yards, about a 1,300-yard rush team net. Um, and then the year Gardner Minshew was there, 11 and 2, 4,800 yards. You know, as a team, 1,000 yards net rushing. And then this past year, their record dipped down to 6 and 7, 6 and 6 regular season. Well, they were 5,683 yards passing, but they only netted. 800-and-something yards on the year, so they were much more one-dimensional on offense, pass. So the pass numbers were huge, but they weren't winning the games. So what you see in those years at Washington State is it it, it took them really a 
two years. The first year, not so much. The second year, they really exploded in the pass game. But it took about three, four years for it to develop into this multidimensional thing, really hard to defend. And the one year where it got out of whack and they became one-dimensional again, this past year, they only won six games. So pretty good example, I think, of what you may see going forward. All right, uh, last three plays here that we have drawn up. These are the final three touchdown passes in what was a seven-touchdown pass game for Gardner Minshew two years ago against Arizona. Seven TDs in a game, so these are TDs number five, six, and seven. Let's take a look. Here's another three-by-one formation. This time he goes into the boundary, singled-up receiver, one-on-one, wins on a go-route. I'll show you how he watched the safety stay in the middle of the field. Receiver wins, it's touchdown. So we've seen this. In this particular game, they use that a lot. Three receivers, trips to the wide side, single receiver into the boundary. What do they give them? Man-to-man. Pre-snap Reedy already knows that if they don't rotate out of it, that that's the safety, the one deep guy in the middle of the field. And when they snap it, watch a quarterback check him. His eyes are on the safety. Make sure he stays there, doesn't fly out. As soon as he stays, he's going to flip his head, find him, and throw the one-on-one. And then this is it. Repetition, doing it thousands of times in the summer, and that's why receivers who put in the work make the play on the football. Good throw to the outside shoulder. Here's a goal line throw, two by two, four receivers. Chooses a slot receiver out route to his right, drills it in there, touchdown. If you kind of look at the route concept, Regardless of how it's called, it's how it gets run. Is To his left, he's got double slants right here. Outside receiver who's got bump is going to try to beat him to the back of the end zone, and you're running the out route behind it. Now, why would he choose where he did? I think it's because if it's a man-to-man, he doesn't really know on alignment pre-snap, but if it is man-to-man, that's where the cushion is. If you notice, everybody else is a little tighter to their defender on the line of scrimmage, and I think just pre-snap, he looks and goes, okay, here's the cushion. So I'm going to read this side. If I get behind him, I'll throw it to the pylon. If the corner turns, he can't get there in time to get my out route, and that's exactly what happens. Turn his head, get it out quickly. And, you know, in a place on the field where it's hard to throw the ball, it's really all about timing. If he doesn't get it out in time, he has a chance to bat it away. You get it out of your hands on time, you got an opportunity, and that's the score. Another red zone that's just inside the 10. You're going to cross them up. Two backs who stay in initially then get out. It's man-to-man coverage. Buys a little time across the field and then throws a touchdown. So how did this all happen? It's about how you coach receivers uh, to run routes like this, this part of the field, in against zone versus man-to-man. They are man-to-man responsibilities underneath. Linebackers have both backs. And they're keeping two guys on top. So it's like two-man coverage down here. They've given up a lot of points. They're just trying something different. And because you get a little zone run action and you have man responsibilities for these linebackers, they come up. So it kind of clears the middle of the field a little bit. So here's what you've got is outside receivers on both sides who are getting up here and going to cross. And, again, whether it's called that way or not, it could be an adjustment because when receivers coach well, they get man-to-man. They run away from their man. You're not hooking up where he can cover you. 
So then it's all about the protection. And he has time right here. And initially, where they're kind of meshing down the field instead of meshing shallow, it's happening a little farther down the field here against this look. And I think the uh, official is kind of clouding his vision a little bit, easy for me to say. But now you see it's working. Because of protection, he runs away from that man-to-man. Don't stop. Run away from him. And eventually the quarterback finds him. All right. So what do you think? Hit me up. I'll get a few more comments. I think we've been on now, yeah, 25 minutes or close to 25 minutes. Uh, again, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, somebody asked me, Chuck asked me on Facebook, he said, you working a 24-hour day? It kind of feels that way. <laughs> kind of feels that way with some travel in between today from one part of the state to the other. But that's okay. It's been a fun day. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun days going forward. Hope you all enjoyed that. Um and Coach Hammond, I saw the comment there on the two-by-two goal line throw, and I was talking about how you had cushion on that one slot. You were saying that there was three over two on the top or you know, to his left. Therefore, you had better leverage on the other side, which totally makes sense. And if that's the case, it would make sense that there was a little more cushion on the side where they didn't have the three over the two. Um, so that uh, makes sense. Yeah, um, let's see the question here. J.C. Hudson, double zero. Yes, this, um, including the audio of the plays, will be provided on the podcast. And again, if you haven't subscribed to that, it's really easy. You can look at my Twitter feed. There's links on there. But anywhere you get a podcast, like on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, just search The Matt Wyatt Show and subscribe and you'll get it. So the radio show gets posted pretty much every day. And then special episodes like this get posted uh, as well. And again, just follow me on Twitter if you don't already. It's at Radio Wyatt. You get the links right there. Uh, I'll get a few more comments and questions in here. Just a reminder, again, and let's we'll talk about the defensive coordinator because that's what a lot of people are asking about. A reminder again, though, do me a favor, please. It's interesting. I, I don't know how or I got to figure out how and why this works this way. But like on the Facebook page, which is if you're on Twitter, it's Facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt. And right now it's at about just a hair under 9,000 likes on the page. But it's a hair under 10,000 follows. So according to whatever metric, how they measure that, there's like a thousand more people who follow the page versus those who like the page. Numbers are still good, but either way, I don't know what the, quite know what the difference is. I need to find that out. My encouragement is, would you consider, if you haven't already, liking and following the Facebook page? Because there's a lot of stuff going up now every day. We kind of have a schedule that's going to put more content out there throughout the day and different stuff so it's not the same stuff. And if you like and follow it, you're going to see it a little more often, a little more easily without having to actually go and look for it. I'd appreciate you doing that. And everybody here, too, uh, we're well up over 4,000 on the Instagram account and some neat stuff there that's different than what I'm doing on Twitter and Facebook. So if you'll follow me there on Instagram, I really appreciate it. It's the same as Twitter. It's just at Radio Wyatt. So follow me on Instagram if you haven't already. Doing some cool stuff this year with the stories. And like tomorrow, um, going down and covering the press conference and have some cool stuff on the Instagram stories uh, throughout the day. So I hope you'll follow that. Okay. Let's see here. 
Brandon Fulton, 89 on Periscope, says, what's the normal tempo for his teams? That is a good question. You know, I haven't – got to go back and watch. I, I'm learning just kind of like you are. I'm going to do some more of this. And I watched a little bit, like watching that game, watched a little bit of their offense from bowl game a couple of years ago against Iowa State. And I didn't see just a whole ton of uh, hurry up, hurry up, no huddle type stuff. But they're not slowly, they're not really taking their time. You know, they're kind of getting a call, getting lined up, maybe one check every now and then, but they're kind of lined up running plays, which I think, uh, you know, state fans will like that. Austin says, Matt, appreciate your analysis. I like the abbreviation, appreciate, as opposed to appreciate. Um, let's see. And MS Law Dog says, How do you think he will work with the talent that we have now? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think that especially from a pass-catching perspective, there's an opportunity for some guys to get on the field, probably some young players to get on the field. Um, it was mentioned today to me by Jake Wimberly, who came in was on the, the last part of my show, that he talked to Gardner Minshew. Minshew had mentioned at one point when he was there playing that they had uh, 11 different receivers they were rotating in and out of the ball game. So they're playing a lot of people. A lot of guys caught passes. So, you know, there's going to be some new faces. You mentioned the signee like Heath and that kind of stuff. I, I You know, he's going to have an opportunity. Players like that early on here, uh, if they just work and, you know, and, and, and just try to go in there and outwork people, they're going to have an opportunity to play. And a lot of people, you know, or you're talking about, do you have the talent to do this? You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't know that it's necessarily as much about, do you have, at this level anyway, do you have the talent to do it as it is? Do they actually put in the work, especially in the offseason, throwing on their own to where it actually translates to the field? Even at this level, if quarterbacks and receivers, if all they are doing it's kind of what they're required to do during the offseason months, then it won't be enough. <laughs> and other teams will throw the ball better than them. You just you got to catch more balls and throw more balls and outwork people, and that's the way you pick it up in a pass game. Dan says, anyone think Matt's fired up? I'm a little fired up. Dan, Dan Skinner, Dan the coffee man. Dan, uh, I got that coffee in here that you sent me, and when I came in here a bit ago, it smelled so good. <laughs> That I really wanted some, and uh, it's just too late, you know. So I'm kind of looking forward to waking up in the morning so I can have some more. Uh, Josie Wales, 34 on Twitter. It's really dependent on the quarterback counting numbers in the box and deciding where to go to the ball. All about um, finding where they are weakest. As a matter of fact, I thought um, before we mention the defensive coordinator and then kind of get done here. Look at this. If you go to Mike Leach. On Twitter, and what is he? He's Coach Leach at Coach underscore Leach. Isn't that right? Give me a sec here. I'm going to pull it up. Yeah. Uh, Coach underscore Leach. Bio says, husband, father, head football coach, Mississippi State University, author of a New York Times bestseller, Swing Your Sword. And he's got pinned on the top of his Twitter profile. So it's the tweet that is at the very top, and it's something he sent out in 2018 that he's pinned at the top. 
He titled it Air Raid Philosophy. When you click the graphic, it is a picture of a saying from Sun Tzu, the art of war. You see this? Now, we know he taught that class, right? See that Facebook? See that Twitter? And this is what it says. He And, and again, he titled this Air Raid Offense Philosophy. If he, the enemy, is superior in strength, evade him. If his forces are united, separate them. Attack him where he is unprepared. Appear where you are not expected. Now, how about that? So the art of war, and he says this is the air raid offense philosophy. If he, the enemy, is superior in strength, evade him. If his forces are united, separate them. Attack him where he is unprepared. Appear where you are not expected. How about that, huh? So hit them where they ain't. (laughs) Or find the weak link in the chain and go there. Uh, He said if they're united, separate them and you spread them out. Right? Make them defend the whole field. And that goes back to that thing I brought up today in the interview with uh, Neil Price on his show on the Mississippi State Television I heard Mike Leach say this. We're probably going to play the sound clip on tomorrow's radio show. We'll see. He said, or somebody asked him about being balanced, and which means equal pass and equal run. His response was, ah, he said, I don't believe that balance on offense is 50% pass and 50% run. He said, I think that's 50% stupid. <laughs> And he went on to explain that his, uh, his philosophy in terms of balance was that everybody gets to touch the football. Running backs, receivers, ev- all the receivers, they all touch the football, meaning as a defense, you can't just count on in certain situations who's going to get the ball. You have to defend everybody equally, and that, therefore, is balance. So I thought it was a neat take on it and a funny one at that. Okay, one last thought here. Defensive coordinator, a lot of people asking about that. There are some rumors of names floating around, and there's questions out here. People wanting to know, is he going to keep Bob Shoup as the current defensive coordinator? And I would like that uh, if that were to be the case, because then you would look at it and go, well, if you're going to have a little bit of a another philosophy change and some turnover on the offensive side of the ball, then if Bob Shoup could stay and continue to be your defensive coordinator, then you know maybe on on that side of the ball you have the stability, you know, without the change and the turnover. But I don't know that that's best. And you know, for any head coach, he does have to be confident in the relationships of his coordinators and you know assistant coaches. There's got to be a recruiting aspect there for all of them too. And so who knows? I've heard Charlie Strong's name thrown out there a bunch. And I actually had someone yesterday send that to me, and you know it made you think, um, hmm, if there's a relationship there, because I mean that would certainly be a popular hire, a guy who just a few years ago, anytime a head coaching opening happened, uh, anytime that happened, people would go, oh, hire Charlie Strong. I'm talking about for a head coach, you know. And then of course, 
Things kind of went south at Texas, and, and they did a pretty good job at South Florida. But anyway, um, we'll keep an eye on that. I don't know the answers to that. And I'm sure that right now probably nobody really does. If you look at the local media, um, they haven't had a chance to really meet Mike Leach yet. Press conference tomorrow at noon uh, where we'll get a chance to meet him. I'll be there if everything goes according to plan and bring that to you. Um, I encourage you to follow the content as well. So like events like tomorrow where the fans will be there and they'll have the press conference. Um, Going to have some cameras. Going to create a vlog episode from tomorrow's happenings. But a lot of the stuff, too, that you can get tomorrow if you want is just follow me on your phone, at Radio Wyatt on Twitter, the Facebook page, facebook.com slash Radio Wyatt, um, and on Instagram, because throughout the day, as things are happening, I'm going to be sending that stuff out. Be a good be a good way for you to kind of uh, tune in and catch some of that. All right. I am tired, and I really have enjoyed this tonight. I hope you have, too. Presented by Mississippi Land Bank. Visit them online, mslandbank.com. Say it with me. Land Bank. Appreciate everybody watching, and I will uh, see y'all tomorrow on the radio. See ya.